0: Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity.
1: My name is Greg Monteith. And I'm John Polstra. And this is an episode, uh, thanks John for being here, uh, sparked by some comments uh, by Anna and I guess we're kind of looking at the question we're going to look at. And I've asked Anna for, uh, can I mention her name and can I read her comments? And she's okay with that. So we're going to do that. So the topic originated from Anna's response to the last, to episode number 155. She made a couple of comments. I'm going to read them out. And then maybe we can move into some questions about that uh, and how we might kind of maybe um, respond to some of the situations that
0: Anna's in. How's that sound to you? That sounds good. I don't know, well, I don't know how well I can speak to it, but
1: <laughs> Well, yeah, I think you've got I, I'm my hunch is you've got a lot in to, to to kind of aim at. I mean, let me read the comments, and we'll we'll okay. go from
0: there. Yeah, I have no idea where you're going, so go. All right, I'll surprise you, all right, so the first
1: one is, I think that each person lives their lives according to a unique narrative that belongs to them and them alone. No two people see the world, the narrative, the story, the truth, etc, in the same way. This is most disconcerting in some ways because we as humans desire truth and certainty, and yet those very things bring unrest. Thus I wonder, what hope is there for any of us if we insist upon our truth being the only one, and those are capitals, then we in essence assert ourselves to be God, the one omnipotent, all-knowing being. Was this not the sin of Satan? And yet, if we humble ourselves and acknowledge that we cannot assert our truth to be the only one, we set ourselves adrift in a sea of uncertainty, which is very uncomfortable. I mean, very, in capitals, uncomfortable. So that was Anna's first comment. And I've, I've got some things I want to say about that first comment. I'll throw in the next comment just right away because they really work together pretty well. So Anna wrote, in this episode, number 155, was full of examining truth and the way that it is presented, as well as maintaining that love and truth are co-central, which was the jumping-off point for my feedback. Sorry that it was a bit random and perhaps not entirely interactive with the whole podcast. I'm in a place in my life that is difficult, a deconstruction of sorts, and I don't know what to let go of and what to hold on to anymore. I've been reading a lot, many, many different perspectives, narratives, claims to quote-unquote, truth. It's overwhelming. The sometimes terrifying feeling of being adrift at sea. I felt so much safer and more secure when I was more certain about matters of God and faith. That's why I've been honing in on truth claims and how to discern what you, and she's referring to to me, Greg, term as better or worse interpretations. I should probably give myself some time and come back to these discussions in the future because right now in my journey, I feel unsteady. I hope I don't come across as bitter or angry. I do not feel as though I am. I actually really feel lost. Out of those comments, one of the replies that I put back to Anna was, you know, I suggested a discussion about how we reach, we each go about the process of letting go the old and familiar in favor of the better. So what our modes of research or investigation are, what our resources are, how we set up boundaries, and sometimes when and why we choose to break those boundaries.
0: Do you think, you know what jumps out at me right yeah. there is, is how yeah. often we do that consciously. Which one? Like, what is the process that one goes through to sort through what to keep mm. and what not to? Mm. Like if someone was if you're I don't know where you're going with this but if you're like so John how have you done that? <laughs> I would say <laughs> I don't know. I I would say well that's not true. I would say what I do know is that I have I run it through I guess the filter of does this make sense? Can I make sense of this to me?
1: Uh-huh. uh-huh.
0: And and um maybe is this view shared by others. But right. what's most important to me is does one plus one plus one equal three versus right. one plus an imaginary two that you can't see and that you don't have, but you need to believe is there equals three. <laughs> okay. So that, yeah, but I don't, but I think it's interesting because yeah, I don't know that I've ever really sat down and said, Oh, am I going about this the right way? I, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure some people looking in on my life think maybe I'm doing it the wrong way. But, um, um, uh, Yeah, that's okay.
1: I do have a bunch of questions for you, I mean, about this in specific, so. Go. But, well, first of all, just a couple of your comments, like, does this make sense? How is it viewed by others? And then, like, the thing that strikes me there, you mentioned you you, you can't have one and one equaling three. You can't say one plus one plus something unseen, unknown equals three. And so there's that, that whole point of it being accessible, right, to a certain degree.
0: I would say it has to be logical.
1: Okay. But,
0: <laughs> but my wife and I get in all kinds of arguments where she wants to do something specific. And I'll say, well, that doesn't make sense. You know, it, it needs to be like this. And, and I've come to see that I guess logic isn't the only way, mm-hmm. but it is, it's kind of funny as a tangent. I've been studying a personality profiling tool. It's called Tilt365. Uh, I highly recommend it. I've been uh, studying under it, and I can like help people walk through it. And what's it called again? Tilt. Tilt. T i l t three six five dot com. Okay. Okay. You can take the you can take the assessment for thirty nine dollars, and I don't get any money from that. Uh, you it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> I like how you clarify it's, that. It's like the Myers Briggs, but in my opinion, a oh. hundred times better. Huh? It breaks people down into five, four primary quadrants. Right. And then within those quadrants, there's, there's more depth and, and variety. <laughs> so what I've found interesting in this process of doing this is I'm in one corner. I have my wife do it. She's in the complete opposite corner. Huh. And my corner really does thrive on logic. And hers does not. So, I guess I don't know where I'm going with this or what my point is, but the idea of something having to make sense is very important to me mm. in what I consider logical. Mm-hmm. But over time, I'm I've kind of loosened to my grip on well, this is logical to me and has to make sense to everyone else the same way, mm-hmm. realizing that it doesn't always. So my wife Mm -hmm. could be looking at the exact same situation and say, well, there's nothing logical about that to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't approach problems the way that you do, and I don't try to solve them the way you do. So there's, you know, logical or not, that's just, that's not part of her thought process in specific situations. Right. Yeah. Well, I wonder if what you're talking about, I mean, yeah, I don't want to push
1: that too far, but I just wonder if that's a difference in criteria, because I, I don't know how many of us would say that you know, logic doesn't matter to me. In other words, if you presented me with similar situations, if logic didn't matter, it would seem to me that the person could respond in any old way.
0: What I, I guess, yes, as opposed and,
1: to yeah. somewhat consistently.
0: Yeah. Well, okay, but in my particular personality profile, it's very, um, it's very fact based, hmm. very concrete. And in some of the other quadrants, it's more gut. It's more intuition. It's more, mm, this just feels like the right way to go. Okay. Okay. But it sounds like they would also then be consistent with that, right?
1: Yes. There's a sense of, yes. I consistently count on my guts. I consistently count on my intuition yes. to a certain extent. Yes. Whereas you might say, yeah, I'm going to back off of that, but I'm going to really go with the logic.
0: Yeah. So in my case, okay. and, and what I really love about this profile Tool mm. is the the initial assessment is where you tend to naturally start, or where you tend to naturally like. It's kind of like where you you most naturally are, but right. it's not what I like about it. Is the goal of it is not to stay where you are. Hmm. The goal is to move more into the other areas and to become more balanced. So no, not interesting. So for me, and I've gotten this feedback from coaches i worked with and other people i'm continually encouraged to trust my intuition more like i've had several people say you know you have really good intuition you should lean into it more and Mm -hmm. so my tendency is i've got my my sack over here and i'm trying to stick as many facts in it as i can so i've you know i'm up to 50 but i'd like to get to 100 because that would really make me feel good Mm-hmm. Someone else might say, Well, I've got five or six. Good enough. My intuition or my senses, is, this is pretty sound. I'm going with it. Let's move. Let's go. Right. So, the, the downside of my approach is I can be collecting facts until the end of time and never make a move. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, the value of my approach, my wife's approach, is all kinds of stuff happens and gets done. It may not right. have the exact intended outcome. That she wanted, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but she sure runs a lot more experiments than I do. Well, that's an interesting way of putting it. Runs a lot more experiments. Yeah, I mean, like she, she's. A, I mean, she's done all kinds of remodeling and projects in her house, and I would, <laughs> I would spend probably four hours, you know, really assessing and measuring and. Well, I'd also figure out all the reasons it wasn't going to work. <laughs> she, <laughs> she looks at it and is like, Yeah, we're just going to cut a hole in the wall here. We're going to just, <laughs> you know, patch it up over here. Where's the saw? I'm like, Wait a minute. So, so, and so we've really come to a good place where, you know, I just have to just say, Okay, you, like you're fully in charge of this. You go do it. Mm-hmm. And, I'm gonna not be involved in what we've come to with some of this. Is it's just better if she just does all of it, right. and then I don't have to stress out and I have to make measurements and him and ha and collect more facts for half the day. And sometimes she strikes gold and it turns out great, and other times it's like, oh uh, yeah, I'm gonna have electrical to... wire. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. But some, but sometimes <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I got it done, but it. Didn't turn out exactly as I had hoped. Right. So one side you could come down and say, okay, well, it didn't turn out as well as you hoped. And, and I would look at it and say, well, yeah, cause you know, you didn't measure and you didn't plan ahead enough and blah, 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 blah. Well, but I may never have done it or even gotten started right. in the same amount of time. She's gotten three of them done. And by the time she got to the third one, it's pretty good. So it sounds like that's been a kind of a practical practical
1: example of how employing other methods can, well, shows you how you might be able to get further and how the whole idea of balance is a positive.
0: Yeah, the idea of balance and also, again, come back to this Tilt 365 thing, that it's not about embracing the way that you always do things as being, sometimes I see people take these assessments like Myers-Briggs, and like, well, I'm just an introvert. Mm. I, I I need to I, you know I can't do too much people time because you know that drains my energy. That's just me. That, I'm an introvert, but it's like they're permanently locked in this category, and there's not a lot of room to move. The right. way I'm looking at this thing is saying, well, yeah, this is how I this my natural inclination is. I want to collect a lot of data, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to move more in the direction of what could be possible if I collected less data. Cool. How am I holding myself back by collecting too much data?
1: Right. So how does this fit in, if you think about maybe the distinction between who am I and who do I want to be? Hmm. So are you saying, in other words, am I hearing correctly that you are saying, who am I? I'm the guy that, that needs a lot of facts, that looks for logic. Who do I want to be? I want to be a guy who's maybe, who takes a few more risks who is willing to trust himself in certain ways a little bit more.
0: That's interesting because who... I don't think of myself as wanting to be anything. Mm. I think of wanting to expand who I am. Okay. How are those two things different? I see. I hear "be" is kind of aspirational. Mm-hmm. I'm this and I want to be that. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying I'm this. I want to expand more to move more in that direction. Right, those things sound very similar to me, almost identical. Yeah, for some reason they seem different to me.
1: Okay. Well, let me let me know if you put <laughs> if you can put words to it. Let me know. I'm I'm interested. All I'm right. really just hey. I'm just throwing the question out there because, well, uh, so but if I, if I come back to that difference then between between you and Tommy, like on the one hand, it can be very frustrating and difficult as a couple to have different views, but it can also be very practical, helpful, and complimentary what do you do with that when it's just you? So let me throw something to you, see if this resonates at all. There's an idea within parts of, you know, uh, mediation theory. It's very general, very vague, but it talks about parts theory. And that, you know, part of what a mediator does is I'm addressing a part of a person. And I I will literally say, you know, I want to talk to that part of you that right now is leaning into the table. The part of you that says, you know what, I know I need to get this done and I want to get it done. And I know there's another part of you that's hanging back, that's not trusting, that's got good reasons to be wary. But I want to talk to the part that's leaning in right now. How does, how do these, that, that idea of part theory, if I can frame it that way, how does that play into you? And when you think about the work that you did at Labrie or you've done in past, how would that work? change and how would, you know, you letting go of some of the old things and embracing better, how do you think that would look different if if you had this other kind of part of you that had more of a say, that was more, almost more
0: valued? I'm not sure I understand what you're asking. Is there a connection to what we were just talking about or is this something new? No, the connection, connection, because what I think
1: I hear you saying is the main part of John is fact-oriented logical, but there's another part of John, uh, a way you want to go or things you want to do or things you value, you want to value, that's a little more intuition-based.
0: Yes. Okay. So how does that relate to what I believe about Christianity or God or?
1: Mm, more about, so coming, like in the context of what, what Anna's looking at and what you know, I suggested as well, let's go and let's look at the process of how do we let go of the old things in favor of the better. And I know you spent a lot of time at Libri and I've got a whole bunch of questions here for you about, about that. What do you think the first question, I guess, just coming off of your point about intuition versus logic is how do you think your time at Libri and your success measures maybe would have looked different if you had been, uh, you know, as logical and fact-based, but also had that kind of a higher, uh, sense of, um, looking for and valuing your intuition.
0: I don't know. That was so long ago. Um, hmm. I think I, I, I guess just in the present, the intuition is more of a sense of, does this feel right? Does this feel mm-hmm. good? Does this feel true, but balanced with some other things, so it's not just completely on its own, right? But I think and I don't know. Maybe this is an age thing. I th- I feel like the older I get, the less concrete stuff I'm looking for, huh? So there's there's more room for. Mm, yeah, I don't. I'm not quite sure how. I'm not quite sure how those two things are connected or how it happens. Okay. But my sense is that there's something there, that something has happened, that something is real. Something has happened. What are you kind of referring to? Like someone has had some type of spiritual experience or Ah. they're like, well, God was here or God spoke to me or... Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> The eagle hasn't been around for a while, so we got to bring that back. <laughs> the <laughs> eagle, <laughs> the eagle is fun. That's that's like, I don't know, twenty episodes ago. Uh Yeah, so so I I don't know. I feel like I have more room for that than maybe I did in the past, and, and uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe there's always been room for it. I don't know. I feel like I have more room for those things than you do, based hmm. on our conversations. Yeah. Well. That's interesting when you say that you're looking
1: for, what, what, how did you phrase it again? You're looking for less concrete things than you look for in the past?
0: Yeah, in other words, I'm not looking, well, maybe the maybe what I'm trying to say here, but not saying is, I'm not looking as hard. Right. And I'm not, yeah, I feel like the process of sifting and deciding was, was not that conscious. It was, uh, a lot of it was just, well, the perfect example would be you and I reading Not a Fan. Earlier in my life, I would have, you know, read the book like Not a Fan and said, oh, there's something wrong with me. I don't get it because it's uh-huh. it's a book. It's published. It's it's It has some level of higher authority. Mm-hmm. And then I think going to Labrie and realizing that some of the things that I thought that I had gotten from reliable sources weren't. Uh-huh. They, in other words... They may have been reliable people and they may have been very um, good hearted teachers and three quarters of what they were espousing was true. But that one quarter of it took a really unhelpful, untrue left turn that kind of wrecked the whole thing. And so. I think in the process of what's that? That was great.
1: So that was remarkably clear, and I think really, really um, balanced what you just said there.
0: Okay. <laughs> so I think in the process of doing that, it freed me up to say, okay, maybe there's. Well, there were also some moments, maybe kind of like Anna saying where it's kind of scary, like, uh oh, mm. I'm carting all this. You know, it's like a, the the bag or the backpack analogy. I'm mm. carting this backpack around what else is in here doesn't belong right like this is the whole thing is the whole thing rotten to the core is mm-hmm. it just a couple of the things in here mm-hmm. and so i guess where i'm going with all that is in reading not a fan it was more of reading it and just saying wait a minute this this doesn't line up with my experience wait a minute this doesn't pass an intelligence test wait mm-hmm. a minute they can't even find any of this in the bible
1: Mhm.
0: Wow, we got a huge problem here. This says it comes from the Bible and it comes from this Bible verse. Well, I just right. trust that there's a Bible verse that makes it true. Let me go look up the verse. Wow. I can't make any connection to save my life between this verse and the point that this person's trying to make. Now what? <laughs> okay, stop, stop, stop.
1: Am I love a rant? <laughs> no, you're doing great, but you're, I, I got to be able to keep up with you. You said a whole bunch of stuff that's really important here and from my perspective, right? So you, can, you started talking about sources that you thought were reliable, and then you go to Labrie, but you find then other sources, they seem to be reliable. They're saying different things. And I wonder what, what it sounds like to me when I'm, when I'm hunching is there's also, you know, critical thinking skills that you're developing there. And so the outcome yeah. is you talk about, so now you're willing to examine things on the realm of experience. Does it make sense in terms of real life? You're trying to, you, you talked about a basic intelligence test. So is it logical? Right, And then you're, you're looking at, well, what are the claims and what is the evidence? And you're looking to the Bible. And so these things seem to me to be, like on the one hand, you could say they're basic skills. On the other hand, I don't think they're basic at all. I think they're extremely advanced.
0: Hmm.
1: And I think they require a lot of background to develop and then to use not only well, but consistently. Right? And so I don't know if – I don't know how you feel this mix, meshes with you, John, looking for logic and looking for, uh, uh, you know, reasons or reasonableness or what
0: have you versus, you know, you being – you you having greater intuition. Um, well, there's one other thing I want to sneak in here that popped in yeah. as you're talking too. I think what Labrie helped shake loose too was – and I think we probably all have a lot of these, there were mm-hmm. certain things that were just kind of established part uh, parts of the narratives of the narr- of my narrative. I'm not sure if that's mm-hmm. the right word, but that's what I call it that, mm-hmm. that, that, w- that were just assumed to be true that had never been played with. Right. So I remember, Oh, like it was yesterday. It was a spectacular day in the Swiss Alps. I'm sitting in those two chairs downstairs with my tutor. You had the same tutor, I think. And yeah. And I remember somehow I was riffing or we got onto the whole thing of, you know, this world is not our home, mm. which was a big part of what I had internalized. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting talking to my siblings and parents about some of these things is mm. they don't, even though I feel like they kind of came from family of origin, church, christian college they mm-hmm. didn't pick them up in the same way hmm. so that that's just a footnote there that i don't know what this somehow i internalized that this whole you know this world is not our home we're just passing through right and and i remember him saying he's like this is totally our home He's like look at those mountains out there like this is totally like and it was mm-hmm. this whole it was like it was like wait a minute what are you talking about mm-hmm and he's like, well, I believe that we're gonna live here forever. Mm-hmm. Like, what? No, we're supposed to go to heaven. <laughs> you know, you go down the whole N.T. Wright, you know yeah. <laughs> like like and I'm I'm wondering now in hindsight if he was reading N.T. Wright. And I don't know if NT Wright was on the scene then, but so that would that would be a very simple example of it had just kind of become part of my way of looking at the world was that this was all just temporary and I'm just traveling through right and but but i'm not taking a step back to say is that true or not it's just it's just part of the foundation it's right. every everything kind of gets filtered through it to a certain extent through that initial narrative you mean yeah through <laughs> oh this world is not our home we're just passing mm-hmm. through <laughs> oh, okay this is just temporary <laughs> yeah it's well, just I, temporary well- yeah so people aren't really taking care of it eh. yeah Hmm. i guess we should be good stewards but it's just temp- you know like it goes all kinds of weird places and you know there's been that whole critique of evangelicalism not caring about the environment and it's like oh that's interesting yeah. <laughs> i guess i yeah, picked well, that up pretty well.
1: <laughs> well this what you're saying this this makes a lot of sense and i I like some of the phraseology like lebrie shook loose the established parts of the narrative that were assumed but not played with and when you talk there about you know the, the the whole way you were talking just at the end there, I thought the opposite of the way that I hear you talking, mm, yeah, I guess so. Sure. The opposite word to that to me is ownership. Ooh, yeah. Because the way you were talking with somebody who's like, um, yeah, maybe I'm not really sure. I'm not really committed. I'm... And no an I ownership. To, <laughs> That's my favorite word. <laughs> I know, I know, but but but, and I kind of want to connect this in with Anna's comments because what the way you sounded ninety seconds ago was somebody who was adrift and at sea, but who wasn't yet worried. And what I hear from Anna is, I'm adrift, I'm at sea, and I am worried. But I hear the placement, the the locale if you like, the kind of situation sounds the same. It's like, I'm bobbing up and down in the water here. Sure, whatever, right? And maybe you at that time didn't have or whenever time you kind of were like, yeah, I'm kind of there. Maybe no big waves were happening. And maybe Anna's been hit by a couple of big waves and it's like, whoa, this is not safe. Whereas yours was, okay, I'm here. But it seems like there's a lot of similarity, a lot of connection.
0: Hmm. And therefore... Well, I
1: just wonder about some of the pieces you've mentioned here, I think are extremely key, you know, and I would even go so far as to hazard a guess. I didn't talk with our tutor, with Jim about this, but my guess is that Jim, if he was working or basing his thoughts on NT Wright, that would have been a very, I'm, I'm kind of knowing the years when you're talking about kind of 1999, this would have been early early for NT Wright to have been formulating some of this stuff was it was out but you know early i wonder how much of this is was jim's intuition you know his mm. reading of the bible but also because he's got the right sense of the facts his intuition is geared better because i think that you know intuition emotional responses creativity imagination all of these things play together Right. So I want to value them all, but I want to let my logic and my reason affect my creativity and vice versa. So I wonder when you're looking at that model that might say, okay, you've got four quadrants. Yes. But how beneficial is it for your logic and your reason to engage with your creativity? In other words, for there to be this back and forth, this productive tension, let's mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. Right. And I wonder to what extent part of your or maybe what I was getting at really early when I asked you, how would LeBrie have looked different if, let's say, John was a guy in there who was really big on facts and logic, but also really big on value intuition? My guess is, my hunch is, you know, maybe uh, your intuition would have been much more flavored or guided and informed, like both of those two things would have been mutually informing. They would have informed each other, and you might have, I don't know what what the impact would have been, but I would guess it would have been positive. Hmm. But I think the things you've mentioned here, you know, finding out, oh, look, there are other sources of information that are reliable, and oh, yeah, they don't agree that books like, let's say, Not a Fan are valuable. In fact, they would see them to be actually harmful. And then, you know, well, what are the critical thinking skills that these other resources, these other sources of information, what do they use and how do they go about judging it? And so I wonder about overall the value of being in a rightly oriented and rightly informed community. And by informed, I don't mean like, again, this isn't all knowledge. This isn't all head stuff. This isn't all logic. Because I think you can be rightly informed in terms of your creativity. Your imagination and your emotional awareness. And I guess I wonder, you know, when I reflect on my time at LeBrie, I think it was the fact that it wasn't just ideas and information, and it wasn't just care and love. It was a community that didn't have to try hard to model itself on certain really valuable things. I would say on on love and truth, right? Those are my my touchstones, but to model themselves on critical thinking, on proper intuition, on valuing imagination. And they did it in a kind of a way that seemed very natural, very easy. I I guess I'm coming back to the whole thing about, it was a community. Right. It wasn't just that I went to this place and this person was logical. I went to this place and this person was emotive. I went to that place.
0: So you're you're calling out that there's some something unique. Some you there's a unique benefit of this collective, this community. This exactly. In other words, it, it wasn't just me listening to a lecture and me talking to my tutor. It was me living in community with these. Two teenagers that drove me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember how many there were, but there was a, there was a definite age gap at times. It was just painful.
1: Yeah, there was. <laughs> well, that, that's it exactly. And I would come back to one of my favorite words: integration. Like there was just this rich and easy integration. The gears moved well, but they moved, and they didn't chug chug or stick or whatever, and yet things were able to they made sense viscerally they made sense emotionally they made sense aspirationally you know it made sense to my mind it made sense to my heart it made sense in terms of where i wanted to go who i wanted to be and it took a long time for me to to take that whole picture in i don't know about you but i would say that it took you know a couple of years and so yeah, it depends on how much this resonates with you. I'm, how much does
0: this resonate with you? Like, what, what do you think about that? I guess I want to caveat all this as this sounds like a big commercial for Labrie. <laughs> and maybe, maybe it is. I I mean, just a side question that pops into my head is, is it the same today? I assume for the most part it is, but I don't know. I would hate for someone to go to Liberty based on our conversations and be like, well, that was a disaster. <laughs> Thanks a lot, John and Greg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, I'm not trying to make a plug
1: for it. And, you know, I was back in 2014 and back in t- 2007 and back in 2001 and we were there in 99. I would say it's quite different now. Okay. Because I mean, there uh, are certain people who aren't there who were there when we were there. And right. I,
0: you know. Yeah. It is, but I, get, I, but it's the overall community thing that I, I'm really kind of. No, the community, the yeah. So the community thing, yes. But the other thing that really jumped out at me was, yeah, I can't. Especially the people that had been there a long time. Nobody was trying too hard. Mm. Yeah, there were occasional now and then, but there was no franticness. There was no hand wringing of, yeah. oh no, is John going to go home a Christian? We just need to pray for it. It was, it was. I mean, I think for some people, it would, they would look at it and be like, well, it's too relaxed. I mean, there's like two hands off, too. But that was yeah. exactly what I needed. I didn't need mm-hmm. anyone wringing their hands over what's mm-hmm. happening to poor John.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, and doesn't that just promote your ownership as opposed to their, this, this kind of weird sort of yes, yes.
0: joint ownership thing? Yeah. Yeah, totally. It was up to it was It was up to me. I mean, they were there to help. And, but they weren't going to lose any sleep based on what I did or didn't believe because they, right. because they accepted and loved me for who I was. Right. Not who they right. wanted me to be or who I was supposed to be or or anything else. And so, yeah, there was a, there was a basic level of acceptance just as a person.
1: Yeah. yeah and I wonder just how foreign that is in most evangelical churches.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, it made, yeah. I mean, coming Yeah. I always kind of wonder how many people that spend extended time at Liberty actually end up back at churches. I think some do, but. Not many, I don't don't. think. (laughs) Yeah. It kind of ruins it. Yeah, I think it does.
1: I wonder if I can just. I mean, I I had a thought there and it's kind of gone for me. I I wanted to mention a couple of things about. Yeah, go back to your question list if you want. Well, uh, let me throw something out there, and then I've got a couple of questions for you, but I wanted to make a couple of comments on Anna's first comment, and I think that this is really key. Her second sentence, Sentence. I'm just going to, well, I'll read it up from the beginning. I think that each person lives their lives according to a unique narrative that belongs to them and them alone. No two people see the world, the narrative, the story, the truth, etc., in the same way. This is most disconcerting. In some ways, because we as humans desire truth and certainty, and yet those very things bring unrest. And I think that really that really struck me as being the core of the concern. And I so I, there are two things I wanted to mention about that. On the one hand, I think that human beings do desire and actually need truth and that they often desire certainty. But I think these two things are very different. So in other words, I believe that truth at least to a certain minimal degree, is necessary and attainable. You know, I need to know true things about my environment, about my car, about how to wire a house, about whatever, or who to hire and who I can trust to do that sort of stuff if I need to. But certainty, on the other hand, is an expectation, on the one hand, about the quality of knowledge that can be achieved and about the type of knowers that we are, right? It's an expectation that I can have it, and that I' am able to get it, I'm able to be that type of person that can know that way. It's also a claim, right that yeah, I do have that kind of knowledge, and yep, yeah, I am that type of knower. i'm that I've got that capacity. So I would want to rephrase that comment and instead say something like, humans desire and need truth, but it is the pursuit of truth that brings unrest. And I think that the pursuit of truth is particularly problematic. When human beings hold the belief that they can achieve certainty about what they believe, right? Which means that they can know things in a way that's beyond doubt.
0: See, I would hear this a little different. I would hear this in the sense of, I don't know, is it the word pluralism? In other words, today, mm-hmm. it's, there is kind of this notion that mm-hmm. everybody is true. Everyone has the truth. So, yeah, you believe Buddhism, and they believe Hinduism, and we believe Christianity. That's cool. But if you just say that either one of them is wrong or not true or not right, well, that's problematic.
1: Well, it's only problematic unless the other person believes in radical Islam, right? Like, I don't, I don't agree with this at all.
0: No, I know you don't agree, but, but I, I no, guess, but I don't think they agree
1: either, John. Like, if you say,
0: if you sit mm. in a room
1: with a whole bunch of people who are focused on social justice, and you say, okay, so anybody can believe whatever they like, and they all nod their head yes, and I say, okay, so in the other room there's a guy, and he's a radical. He's radical, he's a, uh, um, Wahhabi jihadist, radical Islam. And, and he's got a weapon. And if I let him into this room, he's going to kill all of you. Is that still okay that he believes all that? And there's no way you can say, oh, yes, it's fine, so long as he doesn't kill me.
0: <laughs> like, so, no, so no, 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 no. <laughs> that's
1: crap. That's just junk, right? So uh, I think that those, those views are only, um, I don't think they're consistent right? People can only believe things to a certain point before we all say, no, 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 sorry, it's wrong that you can kill me. I don't care what you believe. I don't care
0: where you were born or what your skin is. But in general, everyday interactions, you're looked upon much much more highly as being open-minded if you can just say that, yeah, you know, everything's cool.
1: I agree with you, but I think those are two very different things, right? Everything's cool, in everyday conversation versus really, truly, everything's cool. Because mm. I don't think anybody ever says, yeah, I can accept whatever. You can have whatever you believe. That's fine. I think the caveat that's always in there is, so long as it doesn't adversely affect me or the or people that I people. care about. Yeah. 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 And then the question is, well, what does adverse effect adversely affect mean? And that's where we all, you know, we kind of mostly disagree until it comes to killing. And everybody agrees on that. And then we kind of have, you know, shades of, well, you can do that up until the point that you would be violent somehow, or that you would. I, I don't know. I am very leery of that whole view because I think it's incredibly inconsistent.
0: Okay. But anyway, I just wondered if there was a shade of, is this, is, is this notion that everyone can be right? Is that pluralism or is it, what would that be called? Yeah,
1: maybe. I mean, there's the kind of, there's the, I think, simplistic Christian view about relativism, which would say, you know, this is true for me and that is true for you. And, um, I think everybody is relativistic to a certain degree. I think very few people uh, adhere to relativism, which is an ideology, right? So rel- the difference is, um, it's like being um, pragmatistic versus being uh, adhering to pragmatism. So pragmatistic means, yeah, I like things that function well, but it doesn't mean that just because something functions really well, that's my top uh, value, right? I'll still value Doesn't matter if it functions really well. If it's going to harm my family, get it out of here. I don't want it. So I'm not pragmatist. I'm not. I don't adhere to pragmatism, and few of us adhere to these things in the way that my, in my experience, most Christians kind of caricature some of this stuff. But I guess what I hear Anna saying is, if it's the pursuit of truth and certainty that cause unrest, I would agree. But I think pursuing truth causing unrest is logical, it has to be the case because I don't have all the truth. And if I want more, it's not just like I'm going out and like I've got half empty pockets and, and the pockets are supposed to hold truth and I'm just gonna fill them up. My pockets are already full. They're always already full. I gotta take stuff out of those pockets to put other stuff in. Because I already have beliefs that I cherish. And if those cherished beliefs don't happen to be as true as other beliefs about the same you know general things, I've got two choices. I can stick, I can ignore it and maybe stick my head in the sand or I can go through the painful process of pulling stuff out of my pockets and putting better stuff in. And so that to me makes sense that it should cause unrest. But the whole piece about certainty, that's worrying to me because I think that's uh, an impossible claim. And so I think that type of thing um, you know, um, I think that's unfruitful for ourselves because we end up deceiving ourselves by thinking we can know things in ways that we can't and we are, and it's potentially painful for other people. Because part of the reality of self-deceit is that we end up mistreating others in order to ensure that they don't kind of blow our cover or so that our true motives remain hidden. So, you know, there's a bit of self-deceit in this idea, I think, right away of certainty.
0: I'm wondering if we should somehow tie this together and wrap it up for today and then set up what, where you might want to go next.
1: Okay. Well, I had more, I had a whole bunch of questions for you. Um, I still, I still have them. So, (laughs) um,
0: yeah, I mean, well, I, I don't know what, um, the last thought I guess I would have is this. I think it's intriguing, this idea that pursuing truth is uncomfortable.
1: Yes, it is intriguing
0: because if you were to say, is it comfortable or uncomfortable? I'd say, well, it's comfortable because you're, you're finding what's true that that should feel good. Right. But yeah, this notion that it's, but, but if I take a step back and think about it, it's like, no, it is uncomfortable because it's stirring up all this stuff. And I really like your metaphor of, of, you know, your pockets are already full. Something's got to come out. Right. The the metaphor, it falls apart at a certain point, but the the notion that yes, some stuff has to go to make room for other stuff. Mm. Yeah. Mm hmm. And I suppose in some situations you would need to add a lot more and nothing right. needs to go cause there's not much there to begin with. I don't know, but mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. No, that's a really good point. And when you, when you talk about the discomfort piece, the comfort and discomfort, it makes, it reminds me that ever since we went, we lived in Europe in 2007, we are back in Switzerland, so slippery. And I went to the baths a couple of times. And ever since then, Every single shower I take, I finish with 90 seconds of cold. And every single time I start, every single time, there's this moment of, I got to psych myself up. I'm going to do this. I don't want to do this. I'm going to do this. And every single time I stop, unless I'm sick as a dog, I'm so happy that I did it. <laughs> i would just wouldn't do it (laughs) (laughs) well it kind of has that seems maybe another analogy to tie in with this whole thing about pursuing truth seeking truth right
0: wait why are you always so glad that you froze your butt off at the end (laughs) i feel great like oh it it, makes you feel
1: alive (laughs) well not just it's not like i'm i'm shivering and everything it's almost like it it kind of it makes me feel conscious of myself in my own body in a way that few things do huh and it's almost like exercising but i didn't exert it makes me feel you're fully kind of the wrong, you're, the you're wrong. fully present to what's going on yeah i'm on. kind of i'm kind of fully present i'm fully in my body and there's probably you know the whole medical thing about dealing with inflammation and all that and they say a lot mm-hmm. of um um, high-end athletes are, you know, just these ice baths and stuff like that, that people use that a lot. And it's similar to that, right? If you spend that much time in pure cold water, it'll, yeah,
0: it'll have that effect. All right, so we'll come back to this. So how would you, is there anything else that you would want to say to wrap up?
1: Well, I just, again, I, I think that the points you raised about what you, what happened at Labrie are pretty major points And I guess the thing that strikes me the most is that community and rightly oriented community, community who are fluent in these types of skills and not just like, hey, I can teach this, but I live this and my life goes better because I live it this way. And we get to see that as a student, right? As a person being in that community, I not only learn from them, but I observe them and I can model myself after them. That piece seems massive. And maybe that piece is the biggest missing piece when it comes to some of the folks that we interact with on the podcast and particularly in the. But I'd uh, say for, even for
0: myself, like this place doesn't exist.
1: Right. It's not there anymore. Right. So we're, in some senses, we're trying to create this over the internet. You and I, like one of the things that I know you demand, and it's not like I'm not willing to give it, but it's really strong. It's a big agenda item for you, and, and it's big for me too is this has got to be practical. This has got to make sense.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Untangling Christianity podcast. A summary and resources for this episode are at our website, untanglingchristianity.com. If you'd like to join our private Facebook group or reach us by email, send your requests, questions, or even a simple hello to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is provided by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license.